you ever hear the tragedy of Darth Plagueis the White? Darth Plagueis, the Dark Lord of the Sith, so powerful and so wise, he can use the Force to influence the midi-chlorians to create... Together, we can rule the galaxy as father and son. You may want to rule as father and son, but this here is no place for a Padawan. This is the dark side. This is Sith Dark. Everything is proceeding as I have foreseen. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, rebel scum and loyal to the Empire, this is Sith Talk, the show where we talk about Star Wars TV, movies, comic books, books, gaming, all of the above, and we're not afraid to get into it. I am your host, Zach Chrisman, a.k.a. The Lord of Lore, and joining me is my co-host, Lindsay, a.k.a. The Lady of Lore. How you doing? Oh, I'm good. It's still, you know, this is our second time with the official title. Of co-host, but it just sounds so right, and it feels so right. Yeah, and uh, it's, uh, yeah, for sure. I think this kind of transition was a long time coming, and we talked about that um, on the the last episode, and it's just, it's so awesome, and I am so excited about all of it, because, you know, obviously we have jived really well since the, the podcast meetup, which is hilarious that you are, um, you know, we, me and Sam were so polished the first time we had done a solo podcast with you. And it's like, you know, now that I think about it, I'm like, you know, she totally skipped out that night for like the debauchery. Like she totally I left know, the, I like was, way early and had no idea. I was type trying of to remember why I had left early. And I think it was because there was, there was a panel the next morning that I knew I was going to. Mandalorian. But nobody... It was the Mandalorian, right? Yeah. I thought yeah. so. Yeah. Yeah, it was the Mandalorian panel. And I was like, look, I got to be up at like 6 in the morning for this. I don't I don't want to ruin that. So I went to the Mandalorian. So, so I at least never felt too bad that I missed out on the debauchery. But, but see, we'll we all did that. We it. all did that. And we still went to the Mandalorian. Like me and Sam Wait. left the hotel at three a.m. Oh, see, three a.m. No. No, I wouldn't be able to. And like no Ezra way. from Hyperspace Hangout, like <laughs> he is the ultimate uh, bro. I will say because it it like it got to a point where beer just started showing up at the hotel. Like it it was just been it just was given to me. Like I remember That's being, just, yeah, yeah. When you're with Ez, there's going to be a drink in your hand, whether well, you you asked for one or knew it was coming or not. Well, if Ez is around, there's going to be a drink, and you're going to have a great time. And it was crazy because when we went there, me and Sam ordered our first beer, and we were like, uh, "Wow, this hotel's pretty pretty pricey for beer. Uh, we'll probably have like two drinks here and leave." And then we did the. Uh, the big podcast meetup where we had our epic conversation about the rise of Skywalker. And when everybody left, like I think somebody just went to CVS and got beer and brought it outside and it just kept <laughs> popping up. Like, 
dude, everybody in that thing was gone. And I just like, I can't, like, I just remember I was like, oh, she definitely booked out immediately after that thing. What the fuck was going on there? But yeah, no, yeah, we were no, we were was... all hungover. We were all hungover for the Mandalorian. But you panel. know what though? We look like what shit. An amazing, all of us. What an amazing kind of full circle moment because we're recording this episode. You know, figure we met at the podcast meetup and we're recording this episode for Star Wars Podcast Day, whatever it's called, something like that. And if I left early to not be hungover during the Mandalorian, we're about to basically talk about a very glorified <laughs> episode of the Mandalorian or a very unofficial episode of the Mandalorian. So, so it all comes back around. Absolutely. And it's, uh, it's been a wild ride. And I think that was like one of the coolest things about that experience that I'll always go back to. I mean, I'd probably say it's one of the, probably top 10 moments uh for me just because it was it was so unexpected and i was so close to like we we just both were not feeling going there and then it turned out to be such an event that led to us joining with clashing sabers and everything that followed along um it's been a wild ride but with that being said all right we got we got this uh star wars podcasting day and so to introduce anybody who has never heard of Sith Talk, we are the show that loves to talk about all things Star Wars, books, TV, anything you can think of. We love to go in depth. We love to talk about sometimes the business end because that can thrill us. Um, we love to talk about characters. We'll talk about the philosophy of the Jedi Order, the Sith, the Rise, the Fall, all of that kind of stuff. And we're not afraid to put a little bit of an adult spin on it. We love to get right into exactly what our emotions are, what our thoughts are. We're not vulgar to be vulgar, but we are vulgar to be honest, and that's what we do here. So, fuck it. Let's get right into it. Let's talk The Mandalorian... Oh, sorry. Uh, <laughs> I know, book. I can do that all day. <laughs> I, of- I asked three different people today if they asked them if they watched The Mandalorian, and then I'm like, oh, no, wait, not what I meant, not what I meant. Oh, I know what I'm doing. I just don't care. Like at this point, <laughs> I don't care. Uh, let's let's get into uh, Book of Boba Fett, Episode Six. What are your thoughts? Oi, 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 oi! Well, we're going to for those of you who who have listened to uh, the previous episode where we make our kind of predictions and our wish list for not only uh, Episode Six. But even the next season of Mandalorian, I feel like this is going to be our version of the, if you're familiar with it, the South Park episode where they do the BP oil spill. And it's just like, you know, lying naked on a bearskin rug. And they're like, we're sorry. Sorry. We're sorry. <laughs> because I feel like we have a lot of, we're sorry. Because if you think about it, Everything you and I said a week ago about what we don't want to see happen, and I think we we made very valid arguments about why we don't want to see it happen, but it happened, and it was good. It was great. It was it was absolutely phenomenal. So I'm kind of riding this little high of, hey, look, I was wrong. I'm willing to admit I was wrong. They did an amazing job with this episode. It was a fan 
fantastic episode of television and of Star Wars. And it was so emotional for me as a fan. It wasn't necessarily a great conclusion for the first season of Boba Fett. That's Um, where you got wrong the most. There's another episode. There is. Yes. Okay. That's what we got wrong. Drew said that and I kind of wanted to argue with him. No, there's seven. (laughs) We're sorry. Again. Sorry. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Um, but, But overall, it was a really fantastic episode of television. Was it a great episode of Boba Fett? Maybe not. Um, but but for what it was, um, it did everything I did not think it could do or necessarily wanted it to do in terms of um, Din going out right away to try and find Grogu and seeing right away what was in that package. Um, seeing more, again, This is all stuff I wanted. It's just not all stuff that I wanted a week later. Uh, But seeing the early days of Luke's training and the temples, and even the biggest thing for us was seeing Luke and interacting with Luke for a significant amount of time, not just a cameo and not just a visually thing, but having him be an actual character and then having Ahsoka come in again before her own show. It was it was literally everything I think we said we didn't think they could pull off. And they pulled it off exceptionally well. And and here's the thing. Like, obviously, we are going to get into Luke so much. But there's a, there's a reason for that. And I would say that we had these uh, predictions that obviously did not come true at all. And I think that... It might be, at least for me, it might be that I'm used to as a Star Wars fan of not getting my hopes up, not letting big, not allowing myself to get excited for big moments to happen. There's some stuff in the sequel trilogy that feels very like, don't get your hopes up. Don't be excited for this. Uh, Up until you get to Rise of Skywalker, that is really, in my opinion, fan service without any context, and it's just kind of pushed on you. My expectations on getting my hopes up, so I, I feel like if I made the prediction, oh, Luke's going to be uh, much more in, in Mandalorian, or he's going to be a much bigger part in Grogu's training and stuff like that, I have a tendency to tell myself that that's not going to happen because that's how Star Wars has been for so long. It's been very low, like low expectations, low fan service. Fan service is like a really bad word, and fan service is not a bad word when it's used effectively. And I think that had an effect on a lot of my my opinions about what would happen going forward. To add on to your Luke thing, I think that from here on out, unless there's evidence, we have no idea what the fuck to expect in this Dave Filoni, John Favreau nope. universe. Because I think at nope. this point, like this is going to make our show a lot more fun to talk about because I think we're going to be wrong a lot more. And when we get right, it's going to feel a lot more rewarded. But I think this is not going... Star Wars is no longer going to be the thing like, dumb down your expectations. It's like, no. You have no idea where we're taking this. And I think that is the point of this episode and going on to Luke I never expected 
to see Luke. I figured we would see Luke for all of 35 seconds to a minute and a half in right, Mandalorian right. season three. Like if he eventually goes there, he's going to, he's going to, Luke's going to hand him over and he's going to say some stiff line and be like, Oh, he always loved you all the time. Lindsay, mm-hmm. we got so much more with this shit. What the hell? Like I was not expecting this when I woke up and turned on the coffee pot this morning to watch book of Boba Fett. No, not, not a shot at, all because it was so it it was emotionally powerful for all the players right this this was not just a hey this is luke's story and you're gonna feel connected to it because you grew up with luke skywalker you know i think i think that he got enough time but it was an appropriate amount of time um for for the fact that this show isn't necessarily luke's show um but it was incredibly emotional to hear Ahsoka say, yeah, I'm a family friend. And to hear her turn to Luke and say, you know, just like your father and him just have that little smirk. It was, it, it had like all these beats and all these moments of real, real, oh my God, I'm seeing this and this is really happening. But it still was able to keep the focus on Din and on Grogu and on the early Jedi training. Like it, it didn't even though Luke was in in the story and interacting in the story with every single character for a significant amount of time, it didn't take away from the main purpose of the story, but just it it hits you right in the feelings. And it doesn't feel like fan service. It feels like a part of the story. And that's what's really good about this whole Luke Grogu thing, it, it feels so organic to the Mandalorian and Grogu. And, you know, full disclosure, I'm just going to say it right now. This is technically a part of the Book of Boba Fett. It feels much more like the Mandalorian. But at this point, personally, I'm going to sidebar and say, I really don't give a flying fuck, like, what it is. It just is, and I'm here for it. So I'm going to move back on to the Luke thing, but I figured I should probably disclose that because that is kind of like what the fandom is saying like oh this is a great episode of mandalorian well hold on you're you're kind of right but we'll see how book of boba fett ends you're kind of right but i don't care at this point so when it comes to that kind of controversy we can talk about that in my opinion after book of boba fett has its complete run through when it comes to luke i on the second watch through out loud, could not help myself. I just kept saying, I can't believe this. What? I can't believe this. To the point where my wife, Sarah, came downstairs and she was like, are you okay? And I'm like, yeah, I'm fine. What's up? (laughs) Because I can't believe how good this CGI is. The CGI and the deep fake is so good. Like, I have it paused right now as I'm talking to you guys. I cannot tell. Like, this feels absolutely like Luke Skywalker. And when you're looking for it, because you obviously know that Mark Hamill did not de-age down another 10, 50, or, uh, Jesus, another, like, 40 years, he looks like Luke Skywalker from Return of the Jedi, and he talks like him. It's super weird. But it it is absolutely like flawless to I mean like not one hundred percent but ninety five percent. This is ten times better than the season uh, two finale. This is Luke Skywalker: Return of the Jedi. Like I can't believe it. 
Oh yeah, no. And and there's a lot to realize there where we can't just say, hey, look, this this happened for I, I didn't necessarily clock through how many minutes of the episode he was on, right? But let's say it was I don't know, twelve minutes of screen time. A lot of screen we can time. look at yeah, yeah, it it was a good amount, but we can clock this through and say, look at, you know, the 12 minutes of screen time they were able to pull this off and it looked absolutely flawless. And and to me, it wasn't even just the the visual effects, right? It was the mannerisms. It was it was the voice. It was Luke. Every single thing about it looked, sounded, and felt like Luke. And that's really hard to pull off for however many minutes of screen time he had. But let's look at this more in the bigger picture. I cannot wait for the gallery episode where they explained how they did this. And we can see the technology behind this. And we can see their thought process behind this. Because this is going to have bigger implications, right? If they figured this out and if they cracked this nut, this is not going to be just, here's the one time we did it. And I think with Rogue One, we obviously got snippets of it, right? Between yeah. Tarkin, between Leia, we got snippets of it. But what does that mean now? Like, can we really go back and have long, drawn-out stories about Luke, Leia, Han, even even Padme? You know, like, who, who else can we get with this technology? So just hearing, for me, the other important thing is not just the technological aspect of it, um, but the legal aspects of it. For example, with uh, Leia in Rogue One and Tarkin in Rogue One, they had to deal with the estates of the deceased, right? Like, they had to get the blessings of the family and get all these different sign-ons. So what is it going to necessarily take moving forward to be able to say, maybe in 10 years, we still get a story about Padme around the time of Episode 2 because it's technologically possible? Yeah, and also, I mean, like, Natalie Portman can still pull it off, to be honest. Like, when it comes to Padme... Natalie Portman doesn't age. <laughs> yeah, she hasn't aged that much, and she's in, like, Thor uh, Love and Thunder shape right now. She's fine. I'm not worried about that. But honestly, like, going on to the to the deepfake, I, I hate even calling it deepfake. And because it is so well done, I can't... I can't shake the fact that this felt like Luke Skywalker. It, it the way he sounded, the way he looked, everything he was saying sounded like Return of the Jedi Luke Skywalker. I I'm I'm still just like I can't even wrap my head around it. Um and it's it's pretty magical and I'm starting to I'm starting to feel like that from here on out, when it comes to Sith talk, I think this episode spells out, really, that Luke Skywalker can appear in any Star Wars show, have his own show, have his own thing going on, or just his own episode in Mandalorian at any point in time. And you might as well just get used to Return of the Jedi Luke Skywalker, because it's going to happen whenever we want it, whenever the story needs it, and whenever we ne- we got to have it. You know? And I'm... <laughs> I'm real. I I think we got there on this episode when it comes to deepfake. Like, there's a couple things. Like, if I really want to be nitpicky, there's a couple mannerisms that are a little bit stiff, but it's really not. 
it's never going to be noticed by anybody but hardcore Star Wars fans. Like yeah. nobody, like I was looking for it. The moment I saw Luke, I was, I was actively looking for it and I could not see anything. I could not see anything. I wrong was with just going to say you were probably doing it super critically, not in a bad way, but just in, we, we've been, <laughs> we've been burnt before as Star Wars fans. We want to have very realistic expectations. Well, and it, it wasn't even from and, a and negative. Yeah, I mean, like, it wasn't even from a negative standpoint. Like, I'm actively looking at it to find a problem with it. Because regardless, when you look at the Mandalorian uh, finale of Season 2, there were some differences. Maybe a little bit of uh, uh, flaws here and there, but I still don't care. That's still one of my top five favorite Star Wars scenes of all time. You know, um, the, the amount... Of, actually, it might be the most powerful when it comes to emotion for me. The way I feel, I get very emotional when i see that scene and that has imperfections so it doesn't really matter how good it is as long as the emotion is there and it was there so when i say i'm actively looking for it i'm not looking actively looking for it in a negative sense i'm looking for it just to see for myself and it is one of those things where I could not find anything wrong with it. And it led to um, absolute enjoyment because it's <laughs> so beautiful. Zach, the Lord of lore, using the phrase absolute enjoyment. There's absolute. no cynicism here. No, and there's Just not. absolute enjoyment. And, and I, I still, I, I think I'm correct when it comes to Book of Boba Fett. And there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of new stuff coming out saying Book of Boba Fett doesn't have its identity. Book of Boba Fett, the, the last back half is not about Boba Fett, but it's a uh, great story, but it doesn't know what the show is. And that might be true. We're still... I, I... That might be true. Mm. It might be you're, true. Okay, you're you're I think one of the few people who are going to understand what I mean by this because like me, you also read every comic book series yeah. and you read it issue by like you you digest Star Wars the same mm. way I do, which is completely and as it comes. The same way I ingest beer. We binge it all. <laughs> Cheers. Um, but, but regardless, um, I, I feel like this is something where had we not had this technology, these are stories that would have been told and explored through a comic book medium, right? Like Boba Fett, the book of Boba Fett and him coming to Tatooine and, and playing crime boss and trying to push out this syndicate like it's it's a good story but in terms of traditional star wars mediums this would have been a comic book whereas here now what's going on with luke and the mandalorian this would have been a book this probably would be three books this is simply just taking stories that i think we would have gotten in in their entirety anyway and just saying we're gonna push the boundaries of tv so I feel like Book of Boba Fett, we're going to look back on and say, this was a great test. This was a, you know, it's a good story. It can stand on its own. But what it really did was test out a lot of this technology that is now going to be used in so many better stories moving forward. Well, and and somebody else that I was listening to had a pretty good point that 
while Book of Boba Fett might not be the ultimate story about Book of Boba Fett, it might not be the last time we see him. And it might just be more of a trail off of where he ends up. And so that we can see him in the future. What this show has done very well is tie in multiple things that are going on in what I would call <laughs> the Favreau and Filoni-verse at this point. <laughs> They've done a really good job at intertwining these stories without making them feel forced. They naturally fit in together. And John Favreau said last year at the Disney uh, shareholders meeting when they announced all those shows that it was going to lead up to a big climactic event in which all shows would be lining up together. Essentially, I hate to use the word like the CW team up because the CW team up was so cheap. We're clearly not getting that, but it's going to be a mashup between all of them. And at this point, I feel like it's going to be like an infinity war style. Exactly. It, but it's going to be for the, the Favreau verse, the TV verse. And you know, that's going to consist of right now, you know, probably at this point, Boba Fett, Mandalorian, Ahsoka. We don't know. We're hearing rumors about a, um, what is it? Oh, wow. Brain fart. Um, Katie Sackoff, Bo-Katan series coming out. Mm. In in the uh, place of the, what is it? What is it? Uh, the Rangers of the Republic. We're hearing rumors of that going on, and they're slowly building this like kind of connective tissue. This is the second time that Mando has seen ah- uh, Ahsoka. He's probably going to see her again. This is the you know second time that Mando and Boba have met together. Finnick seems to be involved in everything, and it. Kind of Which I'm cool with. She's a she's a great character. No, she's a good. Nick, love... She serves as a good Nick Fury. Like I hate to compare yes, everything to yeah, the Marvel just, Cinematic Universe. Like everybody com- loves her. Yeah, bring him. I no, I would put her more of a Black Widow type thing, where she very clearly and and we see this in Bad Batch as, as well. But she has her own previous history, and she's kind of been a solo artist for a certain amount of time. But because she worked as a solo artist for so long. She can understand why people would be in that position and she can bring them together while still working side by side with them. So I wouldn't put her at Nick Fury level. I would put her at Black Widow level. Yeah, the reason I say Nick Fury level is because when you compare the first Iron Man when he's like, I'm building a team and (laughs) she jumps down and she's like, hey, we need some muscle, Mando. What's up? Like she's building the team. So I, I put the... Nick Fury thing in there, but when it comes to building this whole like collective that is gonna eventually take years to get, it's it's flowing so smooth together. And while I the cat is still out of the bag about the identity of the Book of Boba Fett, and I I like the more things get better, the more I question why things started off so slow. Like there are concerns when it comes to the first. Four episodes. We're hitting all this momentum in the back half. And presumably we're going to hit more in seven. I don't think we're going to get higher than Luke Skywalker level. Who knows? I think we're going to get some good action. I think it's going to end just as strong as we have since episode five. But it does kind of... It it does kind of raise concern 
on the editing of the show and the purpose of it, because it's like it said on the last episode, if you are new to us, check out our last episode of Sith Talk, where we discuss episodes four and five of <laughs> where we uh, were Book wrong a lot. About, where we were wrong a lot? a lot, but also we were kind of correct when it came to the editing of episode four, where I said yeah. Yeah. that that should have been the pilot. Because we got another big reveal. Not only was it nice to see Cobb Vanth again, and it made yes. so much sense, and I kind of forgot about oh, that. Oh, we have to talk about this. Yes. Oh, my God. Wait, okay, but, but look, before we move on to that, because I do want to talk about more Book of Boba Fett-specific things, but it is so hard to now separate The Mandalorian from the show. Right. I, I think my biggest thing with this episode is I would put this at in within the top three oh my god final moments of star wars tv shows where uh, i think number one is the pilot episode of mandalorian where we are shown baby yoda for the first time um and that obviously set off this global phenomenon and this is ranked now right now for me at least it's tied with number two where we see uh the dark saber at the end of season one um, but this final moment of having Grogu choose between a lightsaber and the Mandalorian armor and the way in which Luke explains it is absolutely amazing because I'm sitting here as a fan and I genuinely, it's, it's been well over, you know, 12 hours since I watched this for the first time and I still don't know what I want him to pick. And I'm still so torn. And having that be be those final moments and, and seeing that, it's big, right? Like, that's a big way to end this. And it's so troubling because either, either option is good, but either option is also bad. And I really don't know what I want him to do. But it has nothing to do with fucking Boba Fett. Like, why, why is this what we're looking at right now, you know? And, and how, how much are we taking away from Boba Fett to focus on this other thing, as good as it is? Um, but, but that's why I really like what we're about to get into with, I'm just gonna say it, the Cad Bane shit was awesome. I've never been a I'm gonna pause Bane. you right here. Okay, because right, you you right you here. you you brought up the decision, which was the end of the episode, and I think it makes sense where you're leading into it because I think this is honestly like while this episode is really good, it has two different identities. There's the very Book of Boba Fett Western style, and then the Luke Skywalker Grogu stuff, and I think I think that makes perfect sense. I definitely want to talk about that. What what do you what do you think Grogu's gonna do? I'm super conflicted because I can see John Favreau going like two different ways. Well, that's and and that's why after today I feel stupid making <laughs> predictions because we can sit here and really strategize about what the Mandalorian show is without Grogu, right? But then there's that that flip side of if Grogu stays with Luke. That's another show. I have a theory on this, and it might not be. It. I 100% could be wrong, <laughs> as we have been so far. And, the, you know, <laughs> it, I don't give a shit. Like, I really don't care if I'm wrong or not. Either way is going to be enticing. 
From a marketing standpoint, Grogu still has to be a part of Star Wars. He's too much of a money hit. Mm -hmm. I mean, like, everybody who's even remotely a Star Wars fan has something about Baby Yoda. So, he's not going to go away. But when you look at the context of The Mandalorian, you can't guarantee that everybody who watched The Mandalorian is going to watch The Book of Boba Fett. When you look at these shows that, like, the Marvel's um, Defenders, you have to relay these shows in a way that you're assuming that everybody has not seen every single show. But you have to relay information that people that have seen at least one of the shows, or none of all, can still get it. Where did we leave Mandalorian on Season 2? He just gave up Grogu. I, I think the safe bet, there's no right right or wrong way. I'm just going to go with where my mind goes. I think there's a possibility that he does actually pick Yoda's lightsaber. I think there's a huge possibility. And I'm going from a writing perspective, not a, um emotion perspective which might actually make me wrong and that's fine because it's 50 50 the emotion or the writing perspective goes that when we just last left him and the people that are only watching mandalorian they just gave up grogu it would make a lot of sense that when we pick up mandalorian season three that he has been without grogu that grogu is not there and he has this um, inner turmoil that he has to work out because he's missing his son. And his son is not there. He doesn't know that Grogu has a choice. He doesn't know about this choice. That's something for everyone who's watching everything. But from a Mandalorian Season 3 standpoint, it would make a lot of sense for him, for the viewers who are only watching Mandalorian, to feel that inner void. For us that are watching everything, we get the emotion that he was right there watching him and that we saw that Grogu was super conflicted and that we know deep down as people who watched everything know that these two are going to get together eventually, but maybe Grogu might pick the Jedi because he knows it's he's sacrificing his heart over his duty or his obligation it's all it's all super conflicting, but I, I feel like they might go that route because from a season three Mandalorian standpoint, it makes sense to have that hole in his heart pick up. Because if you have Grogu drop at the end of this, it'll be amazing. And then it also implies that Luke Skywalker will be on Tatooine fighting this fucking battle too because by the time he shows up, shit is going to hit the fan and we're going to see Luke wreck some fools, which I'm down for. But from a Mandalorian season three, I think it makes sense that he chooses the Jedi or over the Mandalorian. I could be wrong. I probably am wrong. I don't. It, it's hard to say because I think you're right to look at it from that writer perspective. But but if they if they want people to think to go into Mandalorian season three and think, my God, I missed out. I need to watch every single Star Wars TV show from this point on or else I'm not going to understand. Best way to do that would be to have him pick the Mandalorian over the Jedi because then if you think about someone who only watched the Mandalorian, 
season two ends with him saying bye to Grogu and season three picks up with him having him. And they turn to their friends and they say, what the hell happened between these two seasons? And they have to say, go watch Book of Boba Fett. Now it's it's more of a universe, right? Now it's not just, I'm, I have this one show that I follow and that's it. It's I have to do everything. It's all or nothing. So there's that. Only thing, though, I think really pushes towards him picking the lightsaber over the armor is Luke's speech about a short time for you is a lifetime for someone else. And that right there is a way to build up Grogu as his own interesting character instead of just a cute device for the Mandalorian and for Den. Yeah, and I think that's actually a very fair point. So are you adding to me or are you taking it away? I don't know what you're doing here. I don't here. know. I don't know. It's I, not I, a good answer regardless of how you I kind was, of choose it. I was, I was taking it away because from a writer perspective, I think they might want to say, hey, fans, watch every single show, watch every episode of every show. But from a story perspective and Luke's entire speech, I, I think it would be best if he did pick the lightsaber as much as i want to see him and din together i think it would be best for grogu to be his own character which is going to be hard at this point because like you said this has become the global phenomenon right like i was um i watched an hbo a show on hbo the sex lives of college girls and to be watching a show on hbo geared for people like me, where it is called the sex lives of college girls, they still make baby Yoda references. And even in the the context of that joke was how it's so overdone. So to be able to watch something as far away from star Wars as possible, and they're still talking about baby Yoda and everyone knows what they're talking about to have that and then be able to say, But no, for the Star Wars fans, this is a real drawn-out character, and this is a really complex character. It's not just a cute little stuffed animal to give your kids. I think that would would mean a lot to us. Yeah, and I think that your point... I think your point kind of adds... I might be wrong, but I think your point adds to him picking the lightsaber. I think Baby yeah, Yoda should be something that... I, I think that they would sacrifice every single person needs to watch every show. I think they would sacrifice that viewership for the point of a good story, which is so Favreau and Filoni, and God bless them, and I love them for it. But it's not about... It's not even about viewership, you know? It's it's about, like, look at the MCU. The MCU has the all-time record of the highest-grossing movies of all time. Yet, you can watch every single movie and not have to watch the one before it. It's because of the writing. It's so masterfully done. I think that what I said adds on to him not picking and leaving a hole in Din's heart. Do I think in Din's story, he will see Grogu again? Yes. Do I think there will be a satisfying impact on their relationship that still adds to the love that they have to each other. Yes, I do believe that. I believe we're going to have a very satisfying ending to their story as people. But you make a good point when you say, when you add on, his life is only but a touch on yours. 
you know, I, I'm paraphrasing. There's only so much to remember. Um, it's very true. And the heart does what, the heart wants what it wants. And we do make rational decisions, which is why I can see why Grogu would still pick Din over a life of being a Jedi. But it's a very true statement. And I think when it comes to Grogu, regardless, unless the character's going to die in The Mandalorian, I think there's a huge possibility, and there should be a huge possibility, that Grogu becomes a big part of the New Jedi Order, and outlives Rey, and outlives that, and has many lifetimes of different phases and what better would it be for to have a, a Force user who eventually... I mean, he's going to be like what? Like, he's going to be a teenager when Rey pops up at her height at the end of all this? Like, maybe a teenager? Yeah, just about. Yeah. Maybe? We'll see. I don't know. So it would make sense to add to the life of this. And you want to kind of... I think Grogu now has to hit the Vader point, where you use Vader sparingly. You use looks you use Luke Skywalker sparingly. You don't just yeah. dump it. I think we've we've got this heightened um we've gotten enough saturation of him to where whenever he shows up our attention span rises and everybody's like, Let's talk about all of this. But if you keep beating the dead horse, it's eventually not like whether the writing's great or not, you're gonna get used to it as a fan. You're going to get used to Baby Yoda as a fan. And if you're a Star Wars marketing person, a writer, wanting to get the most viewership, you use that shit like salt and pepper. You don't douse it. And honestly, I've I've said it before, I'll say it again. I do think that Grogu was misused in season two of Mandalorian, where they were just like, this is for a cute, cheap giggle. And that's it. Wow. I, I, I think that's the first I've heard of that. Um, I've definitely said over on the Clashing Sabers main show, but I'm sticking to it. I, I really did feel like multiple times throughout season two, it was just like, here's here's a cute little thing, cute little baby. You're gonna laugh because it's it's Baby Yoda, and I think that could be fair. Um, but I will. I mean, that adds to using using Grogu sparingly. We have no idea what's gonna go on with this Ahsoka show. If I, if I had a theory, I think that until she gets back from season one, I think she's going to be so far removed from this galaxy in season one. You know, obviously trying to track uh, Ezra, i.e. probably Thrawn. You know, I have theories about that, that like Ezra and Thrawn had to work together to, to stay alive. So I think that's like hand in hand, mm -hmm. those two working together personally. But I think the Ahsoka show is going to be so far removed in the season one that you might end up back here. But we're going to see more of Grogu in everything because I think John Favreau created Iron Man. Iron Man started the MCU. I think they're going to play mm -hmm. the Mandalorian and Grogu as Iron Man. You use him for everything, like you, but you sprinkle him in. You don't douse him in every single thing. Iron Man has his own show. And then we, he just pops up here and there. Mandalorian has his own show, but we pop I him hope. up. I hope. I hope so. Yeah. Yeah. But you also can't deny 
with Book of Boba Fett, what are we talking about? We're talking about the Mandalorian. And he is overpowering this show right now as we stand. But let's get into, I mean, like, final thoughts, Luke, Grogu. I think it's 50-50. I really can't tell you where he goes. I can just tell you where I think the writing will go when he picks a choice. So for me, if he picks a Jedi, we will not see Grogu until, like, the later half of the Mandalorian Season 3. The Mandalorian will get pissed off, and he'll eventually go see him. We'll find out about that choice in Mandalorian Season 3. If he picks the Mandalorian, we will see Luke Skywalker and Grogu show up on Tatooine at the finale of Book of Boba Fett. And Luke Skywalker, being that he has a stake in Tatooine's well-being, will fucking go apeshit with the Mandalorian, Cobb Vanth, uh, Black Santin, Boba Fett, Fennec Shan, and all the minions. And that's going to be a huge episode for Book of Boba Fett. Once again, overshadowed by everyone else. But I think that is where you go with these two choices. Lindsay, do you want to like do a little final prediction thing on that or no? You're good. That's, that's the problem. I don't even know what the final prediction would necessarily be because is this a final prediction for Boba Fett? Is this a final pick prediction for Mandalorian? Or is this a final prediction for like eight other fucking spinoffs that it could be? Yeah. This, the, you know, the, the book of Boba Fett has, I think we are going to look back on this as like cheers where it's, yeah, it's great, but here's all the spinoffs that came from it, and here's all the great actors and stories that came from it. It's It's been a weird, weird, wild ride, and I still don't know what to think about the book of Boba Fett, because when I think about the past two weeks in my mind, like I said at the top of this episode, I keep accidentally asking people if they watch The Mandalorian today. Right, and I think regardless... I think that whether it's fair or not, I, I haven't decided. We haven't seen the end of it. I think regardless, the Hollywood Reporter headline is going to be, Book of Boba Fett finishes strong, but not because of Boba Fett, because of everyone else. I think that's the slogan. Yeah, yeah. So let's get into uh, seeing Cobb Vanth and, um, you know, you know who. <laughs> uh, uh, oh, fuck. Man, let me tell you, I, I'm not, you know, someone who watches Star Wars because I love bounty hunters. I know that there are people who do and <gasps> love and respect them for it. Bounty hunters, not necessarily the biggest draw to Star Wars. It's not like I ever sat there watching Clone Wars and I was like, Cad Bane's the coolest character ever. Seeing him on screen today, Cad Bane is the coolest character ever. Yeah, that was pretty nasty. Like, he looked scary. Like, he looked like... Almost yes. like a horror villain. Like he was, he was pretty frightening to look at. They just did it so, and even just the reveal, because anyone who knows Cad Bane is watching that scene and they are waiting for it. And to see him raise it, you know, to, to have a couple of minutes where we are already sitting there thinking, this is great. Like, this is the voice. This is the characteristic. This is the face. And then for him to pick up his head and you see the eyes, it is so beautifully, beautifully done. 
You know, it's funny because as I'm looking up Cad Bane and seeing the top stories, Men's Health says, who is Cad Bane in the book of Boba Fett? Blue Bounty Hunter explained. It's like, what the fuck? Men's Health Men's Health is talking about this? Like, It's like everybody's talking about it now. And it's it adds to how awesome this show has gotten towards the back half. But it also adds to everything that I've been saying about the first three episodes. Like, why was he not hinted on more? Why was there no hints, no theories, no little, like, seeds planted? It feels like we had really strong writing for the last four episodes, but we didn't know how to start it. It's a big reveal. Like, it's huge. I, you know what, though? Maybe it's not... I, I, I Maybe it's not as much of a surprise as we think. Like, we never saw it coming because we weren't looking for it. But if... Boba Fett sat there, what was it, uh, episode four, explaining to Fennec, like, I want to get this basically a co-op of bounty hunters in right. the next, right? And and I want everyone to own more of their profits, and I want to reshape the bounty hunting guild. Yeah, it kind of makes sense. Like, of course Cat Bane would be, would be that. Of course he would be in this show somehow. I think anyone who we have seen bounty hunting in any way, shape or form is open for this. It's just, we're used to thinking about Cad Bane as just clone wars, right? Like that's his time. That's his era. We didn't see him in empire strikes back, obviously. So we aren't looking for him here. Absolutely. And I think it adds to, you know, what seems to be the theme of this episode is, Hey, we're going to talk about what we think is going to happen, but it might be, it, it, it could be anything. And I think seeing Cad Bane is, <laughs> adds to that because I was never thinking Cad Bane for this. I actually didn't know if they would ever do any, I, I figured if they were going to do something with Cad Bane, it would be later on in an animated thing, which doubles down to Dave Filoni, the director. Dave Filoni started out with the pilot, which was a good pilot for The Mandalorian. And then he had that Tatooine episode that was, eh, it was okay. And then he did pretty good in Mandalorian Season 2. But we're talking about this episode. And we talked about Bryce Dallas Howard last time. And there's been a lot of buzz about her deserving her own Star Wars movie or TV show. And I agree with that. I'm not saying Dave Filoni is ready to take on a full movie or a full show when it comes to directing, directing, not show running, directing. But he's got at least top three Star Wars TV episodes as a director, as for me right now, which means he's improving. Dave Filoni fucking killed it. This was, It was so good because I had no idea that he was doing it because I wasn't keeping track. Like, normally, when it comes to yeah. The Mandalorian, I keep a track of, like, who's directing the next one. I waited till the end to find out on this one. Dave Filoni's getting really good as a director. It doesn't surprise me, though, at all. I no. think he just had... He, he just has to learn and he strikes me i i obviously don't know him personally um but he to. strikes me from me, not just his interviews 
But the interviews that I've heard from so many other people who have worked with him is he's extremely coachable and he is just open to here's what I don't know. I'm so interested in what I don't know and how can I perfect it? Like it, it makes sense that he is going to very quickly learn things and rise the way he has. Um, Not to say again, like I can't, I can't get so wrapped up in my own excitement and my own emotions that I sit there and I don't think critically about this episode because was it the perfect episode? No. I I do think that there were some flaws to this and there were things that were kind of just taped together. But in my excitement about the story and the technology and and the way it's going to tie things together... Of course I'm excited about this, and of course I'm going to rave about this. But when I think critically about it, was it perfect? No. But like you said, it's it's one of his earlier tries. Yeah, and for me, when it comes to Disney-era Star Wars, this is this episode is probably top something. And it's by Dave Filoni. And as far as the way I feel during this uh, episode, the uh, specifically the magic with Luke... I I needed this. I needed this so much. And I said that last time when it comes to the return of the Mandalorian. But he really sold that. He sold Luke Skywalker. He knew how to write him. He knew how, he knew how to direct him. And he's getting so much better. So this is top something when it comes to Star Wars TV for me. Um, and well, it's I think by the Dave benefit Filoni. of him too is he's, he's a fan enough where he understands the line that you can't cross, right? Like if you brought in anyone else who was not as much of a fan as we are, like Dave Filoni is, they would just be like, Hey, look, we have this technology. We have the capability to oversaturate with Luke. Let's do it. No, he understands this is, this is holy. This is sacred. This is reverent. Don't push your boundaries here. Yeah, and I can nick I I can nitpick like a couple things from this episode. Um, I simply don't want to because I felt like the the feeling that I got outweighed nitpicking certain dialogue things or certain <laughs> pacing issues or that whatnot. It, yeah, it I would like, never go as far in an episode like this to nitpick the the technicalities like the dialogue more so the pacing issues of we are jumping back so drastically to, you know, the, the Jedi training in the Jedi temple to Tatooine and the mob and, and all of that. It's, it's pacing issues and more so along those lines that I would be critical of than anything as, as really let me find the flaw like dialogue. So before we end this episode, I got to ask you, are we going to see more Luke Skywalker? Is Luke going to be an actual thread? I made my predictions that if Grogu picks up, chooses the Mandalorian, that we'll see Luke at the finale of Boba Fett episode seven. But regardless of the choice, not the choice, is Luke going to become a story thread for this TV verse? I think so. I, I do, especially with, you know, things kind of left off 
open-ended with him and Ahsoka, but more importantly, there's the issue of how did these two connect anyway? It didn't seem to me like this was their their first interaction or their first run-in. I think that's a story that's going to be have to be told. Um, and again, the technology is there. Mark Hamill is alive and well. We don't need anyone else's legal blessing for this. Yeah. I do think we're going to continue seeing Luke. And I, I also agree with your prediction that if, you know, Grogu picks that Mandalorian adorable chink armor, um, we're, we're going to still see Luke come in and fight this fight. I think we could see that even if he picks a lightsaber, you know, and, and as a way to give his final adieu to Din. Um, but no, regardless, I think some form or another, we're going to continue to see this young version of Luke play out on screen. I agree. Um, guys, that will do it for this episode of Sith Talk. Where can you find Sith Talk? You can find us under the Clashing Sabers podcast feed. Duh. Um, if you want to follow the show, like maybe sometimes see some of our funny memes or just keep track of what we're doing, we have an Instagram page that you can follow, which is at Sith Talk. Uh, you should also follow the Clashing Sabers Instagram feed. You should, if you want to contribute into Star Wars Conversation, check out our Facebook page, the Clashing Sabers Facebook group. You can find me at Sith Talker 25 talking all things Star Wars, barbecue, comic books, working out, and much more in between. Lindsay, where can they find you? Best place to find me is genuinely in the Facebook group. Um, go ahead over, join that group. We're always interested in hearing what Star Wars things you're interested in or you've even been working on. Um, but more so, if you have any thoughts on shows for Sit Talk or my other show, Don't Burn the Sacred Text, feel free to tag me in that. Uh, we can always start a discussion if you completely agree or better off yet disagree with anything I've said here on Sit Talk. Yeah, we love disagreeing. Go ahead. Let's, we love disagreeing. Go ahead. Um, join our Facebook group. Tag me there. And, and I'm more than happy to uh, talk about Star Wars at any time. All right, and with that being said, may the Force be with you. Hey, looks like you're done talking, Sith. Who? Oh, Scion, the bartender. Yeah, he's gone down a couple levels. You're going to venture down there? Well, there's a few things you should know before you go. Sith Talk, all the Clashing Sabers Network, they ain't associated with Disney, Lucasfilm, or any of their subsidiaries. All these licensed sounds and whatnot all belong to whoever the hell they belong to. We just use them here for entertainment and educational purposes. Look, if you're unsure about something or have questions about what's what, email us at clashingsabersnetwork at gmail.com. And hey, on your way out, make sure you leave us a rating and review. Word of mouth is how people find out about this place. Now, get out of the way, I got paying customers to get you. Jedi business, go back to your drinks.